Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. Matthew chapter 6, over in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. And as you're getting settled, if you'd like to have a copy of God's Word in your hand, uh, we put it on the screen, obviously, and you have it on your phone, maybe. But uh, if you'd like to have a physical copy in your hand, just wave at the ushers, and they'd be happy to pass one to you. You can turn over there. I still, old-fashioned, I, I like pages. I still enjoy pages. So... Um, Matthew chapter 6, we will be back in Ephesians, Lord willing, next week, continue on. If you want this week, you could read some in Ephesians chapter 4, especially probably starting like verse 17, kind of remind yourself where we've been. I think we pick up somewhere around verse 28 or 29 is where we'll pick up, but um, if you um, want to uh, just kind of refresh your memory, it's been a month or so since we've been in Ephesians. But we'll, Lord willing, be back there next week. Today, I want to talk to you about a message called Give and Go. Give and Go. How many of you recognize, you basketball players recognize that term, right? Give and Go. Maybe hockey. I, I don't play hockey. I'm from South Mississippi. We don't have any ice, uh, except in our tea. That's the only place we got ice is in our tea. Um, but those of you who play hockey, I understand Give and Go is also a term in hockey as well. Um, though I can't vouch for that because I've never played. Uh, it is, all right. And so those of you who understand this, the sports term give and go, great. I drew you in. I'm actually going to talk about a different kind of give and go. But anyway, and those of you who don't know anything about sports, don't worry because we're not really going to be talking about the sports give and go. So you're, you're okay. But that is the name of the message today. I could also call it the principle of the first. The principle of the first. But give and go just seems easier. And I hope it's something that as we go throughout this year, the, Lord will, the Holy Spirit will keep reminding you of that little phrase, give and go. And it'll have new meaning to you this year. Give and go. The principle of the first is found all the way through Scripture. I'm going to show you a little of that this morning. It starts in Genesis all the way to Revelation. Jesus, in his first message, which is the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we are in Matthew chapter 6, in his first message that he preaches, the first one that we have recorded for us when he's here on this planet, and there's a lot in that, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. We have the Beatitudes in there, blessed, all the blesseds. We have all of that in there. We have uh, this teaching, that, and it's radical teaching, where he comes along and he says, God's not just concerned with your actions, but with your thoughts. Your thoughts are as significant as your actions. Where he comes along and he talks about the fact that he, doesn't, he wants to have an exchange in our life so that we're not angry with people, but that we love people, even the people who are our enemies and try to hurt us. That's radical stuff. He comes through and he says, I want to teach you to be a giver, not a taker. He talks about giving in there. He says, I want you to learn how to let me deal with your own baggage and your own stuff before you start trying to fix other people. I mean, it's radical what he teaches in there. And one of the most radical things that he says is near the end of chapter 6, and if you've been in church or Bible study or any kind of religious gathering, 
more than likely you've heard this verse. It's very familiar. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first, but, but ties it to what he said before. Because prior to this, he's been talking to those who are listening, saying, you worry about everything. You worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep, how you're going to make money, how tall or short you are. You worry about all kinds of things in this physical world, in this kingdom. He says, but I want you to seek first a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. And if you do that, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all this other stuff takes care of itself. That doesn't seem right, Troy. I know, I wouldn't have written it, but Jesus did. You take care of the kingdom first. You seek the kingdom first. He takes care of all these other things. The principle is this. It's very simple and yet very profound. Whatever is first in your life and in my life orders everything else. It arranges everything else. If your job is first, then it arranges the rest of your life. If family is first, it arranges the rest of your life. If pleasure is first, it arranges the rest of your life. If schooling is first, it arranges the rest of your life. Whatever is first orders the rest of your life. Jesus says, make me, my kingdom, first. I will arrange and order everything else. Now, the problem is, that doesn't seem right. It seems like we're going to miss out if we do it that way. His promise is, if you'll do it this way, you won't miss a thing. There is nothing, nothing that will benefit you and fulfill you and, and make you have a full, purposeful, meaningful life that you will miss if you make me first, if you make my kingdom first. Nothing. If you do it a different way, then there's a lot you're going to miss. It's just the way it is. It's not a threat. It's just a statement of fact. It's the principle of the first. And it's everywhere. Look with me back in the Old Testament, very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, you've got the story of these two brothers. Adam and Eve have two sons. Well, they have three, but we have the two that we start with here. And it says, again, she bore, that's Eve, she bore his brother Abel. So Cain came first and then Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, he was a rancher, and Cain, a worker of the ground, he was a farmer. And God does not promote or condemn either one of these professions. They're both honorable, they're, they're equal, there's not one that's better than another, in case you think that, in what we're going to read next. They are equal. They're the, they're, in God's eyes, one is not better than the other. In the course of time, that's a very, very important phrase. We understand time linear as in, in a linear equation. In other words, there's a start, there's a finish, there's the in-between. It moves in a linear fashion for us. That's how we understand time. Now, I think with God, time is very different. But for us, it's linear. This phrase says, in the course of time, somewhere after the start, maybe before the end, but somewhere in the course of time, Cain decided to bring an offering of the fruit of the ground, his increase, what he did, his profession. He's a farmer. So he's going to bring an offering to the Lord. And he brings the offering, and the Lord does not receive it. But Abel brings, it says, he brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and he offers it to the Lord. And it says the Lord respected that. He received that. He honored that offering but he didn't honor Cain's and it goes on to say Cain was angry and his face was fallen and there's a conversation and then you know the 
everybody knows Cain and Abel. Cain ends up killing his brother. So why did God not accept Cain's offering, but he accepted Abel's? Now here, I was taught my whole life, even when I began to study and in Bible study and all these things, I was taught the reason God accepted Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's was because Abel's was a blood sacrifice and Cain was not a blood sacrifice, so God would not accept it. And that sounds really good and it's great theology if it was about 800 years later. But it wasn't 800 years later. They hadn't initiated sacrifice in that way. We do see that God did sacrifice animals and clothe Adam and Eve. We see a picture of redemption and what's going on. But we're not talking about redemption here. We're talking about worship. We're talking about worship. We're talking about the recognition that everything in our life comes from somewhere and someone. And we believe that that is God and that he is first, he is foremost. And so we bring to him in worship this offering to say, God, I recognize you as first. I recognize everything comes from you. The, the, the animals that I have, Abel would say, all the animals that I have, the sheep or the cattle, whatever I have, all the offspring that I have come from you. The grass that grows so they can eat comes from you. The water they need to drink comes from you. Cain would be able to say, all of my crops come from you. All the plants come from you. The rain that's needed so they will grow. The strength that I have to be able to harvest them. All of that comes from you. And so I bring this offering to you. I come to you first to declare you're supreme it's all from you it's a reminder to me it's the principle of the first Cain did not honor it so his offering was not accepted can I tell you something God will not accept our leftovers he can't and I'll explain to you in a minute why he can't he's God he's first or he's nothing and so Abel brings the first Cain brings, after he saw what he was going to have and think, I got a little bit to spare, I can bring it to God. When we worship, it always requires faith. It always requires faith to worship. If your faith, if your worship doesn't require faith, it's probably not worship. Because every time I'm thanking God for one thing, I'm doing it in spite of something else. Always. I've never had a time in my life where that wasn't true, have you? Now, I may not be consciously aware of it at that moment, but it's always there. Worship always requires faith. Abel says, I'm bringing you the firstborn. I don't know if I'm going to have a secondborn or a thirdborn. I'm bringing you the first, and I'm trusting you for the rest. Cain says, I'm going to see how much I got. Okay, I've got enough. I can bring some to you, Lord. Here's my offering. Hope you like it. And the Lord says, I don't like it. You say, well, that's just one. All right, keep going with me. Let's keep going in Genesis. Jump over to chapter 12. A man by the name of Abram. We're going to know him as Abraham. His name hasn't been changed yet. In chapter 12, he's being called out of his homeland, or the Chaldees. This God that he does not know, that he's never heard of, shows up one day and speaks to him and says, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you the father of many people. I'm going to cause every nation on the planet to be blessed through your nation. And Abram's, at this point, an older man. He and his wife have no children. But he believes this God he's never heard, who speaks to him. And what God tells him, he says, I want you to leave where you are, your home, your family, your vocation, everything that you know, everything that's comfortable, I want you to leave it, and I want you to go that way. I'm not telling you where you're going, I just want you to go that way. I'll let you know when you get there. And it says Abram did it. 
He left everything he knew, and he went that way. Now, in chapter 12, verse 7, when he gets to the place, he doesn't know he's there, but the Lord stops him and says, hey, this is the place. This is where I was sending you. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. What you see here, Abram, this is yours, and to your offspring. So what does Abram do? He starts drawing a map, figuring out where are the boundaries of what God says he's going to give me. and how. Is that what he did? No. That's what I would do. I need to know where the boundaries are. Who's on my property? You know, how am I going to take care of them? You know, how much of this? Maybe I'd take some of it and sell it off, have a little extra for retirement or what. I don't know. You know, I've got all these plans going. What's the first thing Abram does? So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. The first thing he does is he comes and he says, Lord, I come to you first. I acknowledge you first. I worship you first before I do anything else. It happens again, two chapters over, chapter 14. They've settled in the land now. Lot, his nephew who came with him and their family, they've gone off towards Sodom because Abram gave them the choice. You can go anywhere you want. Lot chose the part that looked better. It's a tremendous truth in all of this. He, he chose based on what he could see, not on what God had said. And that's always dangerous for us. And so, he, um, so he's there, and, and he gets settled in this place, and the kings of the cities where he's at go to war against a group of other kings, and the group of other kings win, and so Lot and his family, his household, are taken as captives, and Abraham hears about Abram, hears about this, and so he goes and he says uh, to his men, let's go, we, we're going to, to get them back. 318 of his servants, they take off and they go fight, they separate, and there's a whole bunch of story there that I'm not going to go into, but they fight the battle, they overcome the king's they take back all of the people and all of the stuff that was stolen, everything. They bring it all back. And they're coming back from that battle, from winning. And this happens. Chapter 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, we don't know Melchizedek. He's not in the story anywhere before. He's not after. In Hebrews, it tells us he had no beginning or no end. That's all it tells us. When it talks about this story in Hebrews, it says he has no beginning, no end. He's the king of peace. He has no beginning, he has no end. He's the king of peace brought out bread and wine. Does that seem familiar to you? And he was priest of God Most High, or you could say he's high priest. Who do you think this is, or at least a picture of? This is Jesus. Abraham meets at least a type of Jesus, if not Jesus himself. Some theologians argue over that, whether it was pre-incarnate Jesus or not. I don't know. But certainly a picture. And he, Melchizedek, blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram said, thank you. Or, now what's your name again? Where are you from? Who are you? Somehow another Abram knew who this was. And it says, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. First, here, I just want to give to you. Now, Abram was going to keep none of this for himself. When the kings came later and said, hey, you can keep all the stuff, just give us the people. Abram said, I won't take even a piece of leather off a sandal because I don't want anyone to say that you made me rich. God gets all the glory in my life. So Abram didn't take anything from them. Just the people, and then also set the people free, and then he took whatever was needed for the 318 men who went with him. But he gives this tenth, this first. By the way, through the years, I've had people say to me, you know, tithing, the tenth, this is where we first see tithing, tenth. Tithe means tenth. That tithe is legalistic. It's under the law. And I would say, go back and read your Bible. 
The first mention that we have of tithe is not in the law. This is 400 years before the law. And for some reason, Abraham knew he was prompt, something was stirring there. Give to God first. Now, I'm not going to go into the tenth and the money part of it. I will do that later in the study in Ephesians when we talk about giving. But the principle is here. Give to God first. Can I just say this? And again, I, I said I'm not going there and I'm not. But I'm just say this. Don't give the first of your paycheck to the mortgage company because they do not have the power to bless the rest. They can't redeem the rest of it. Don't give the first of your increase to FPL. I like FPL. I got nothing against them. But they do not have the power to bless my finances. God does. The first always goes to him. Always. And we'll talk about that more in detail in a later sermon. Look at another passage with me. The next one, we keep moving on over in Exodus, Exodus 13. And again, we'll get into this more when we talk about tithing and all because it will make more sense. I'm just mentioning it here for this principle of the first. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. The firstborn is always mine. And we, like I said, we will get into great detail because the firstborn either had to be sacrificed or redeemed. Always, in God's economy, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed, whether it was human or animal, in the children of Israel. I will explain what all that means when we dig into that in another sermon. But what I want you to see here is the first belongs to God. What does he say? The first is mine. The first is always mine. Look at the next passage with me. Over in Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. They come, they cross the Jordan River into the promised land. They walk around Jericho. Remember, seven days they walk around once. And on the seventh day, they walk around seven times. They blow the trumpet, the walls fall down. They defeat Jericho. But the Lord had told them, all the silver, all the gold, every vessel of bronze, and iron, all the stuff that's in Jericho are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Not one bit of it, not one gold coin do you keep. Every bit of it goes into the treasury of the Lord. Achan, in chapter 7, defies that, and it says he took of the devoted thing. Devoted to who? Devoted to God. It belonged to God. He, stole, he literally stole from God. And you can read what happened in chapter 7. Why did God do that? Why not? I mean, Abraham just gave a tenth. Why did God require all of all the stuff that was in Jericho? You know why? Because it was the first city. And all of the first went to God. What would happen in the others? They would give offerings from, but, it, but God didn't require all, just offerings. But because it was the first city, God said, all of it belongs to me. And when Achan defied it, when he took what belonged to God, he brought judgment. Look at the next passage with me. Acts chapter 20. And by the way, there's more in the Old Testament. I just don't have time to show them to you this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, the church begins meeting on the first day of the week. I mean, these are Jews. They observe Sabbath. Sabbath would be the sixth day. But on the first day of the week, you say, well, Troy, now wait a second. You're going too far with this because the reason we, we worship on the first day of the week is because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Uh-huh. You think that was an accident? That Jesus rose on the first day? You think it's an accident that he's called the firstborn of many brethren? That he's the first fruits presented? And it happened on the first day? In God's economy, there are no mistakes. There are no accidents. He had him rise from the grave on the first day of the week because he was the first fruit. He was the firstborn. 
He was, by the way, and again, I don't want to preach a message before myself, but I love this picture. This is so amazing what God does. He's the firstborn who was sacrificed so the rest of us could be redeemed. Because the firstborn either has to be sacrificed or redeemed. The first is important to God. It's important. Let me show you a couple more and then I'll quit this, okay? Look at the next one with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. Paul's writing to them. He's writing to Corinth, and he's talking about Christians in Macedonia, and they are suffering affliction. There's a famine going on. There's hardship. But they have a desire. God's stirring in their heart, and they want to take up a collection to give to others who are in worse shape than they are. And Paul says, and this, not as we expected. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, I thought that these Christians in Macedonia would say, hey, we got it pretty rough here. I know it's rough over there, but it's rough here too. We don't have anything to give. But he says, contrary to what I expected, they insisted. They said, we want the privilege of being able to give and to invest in others who are suffering during that. We know we're suffering, but they're suffering more, or they're suffering as much. And we want to give what we have, what we can to them. Paul's talking about this, but notice what he says. He doesn't highlight the offering that they gave, the money that they gave, the stuff that they gave. What does he highlight? He says, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. First, they gave themselves to God. Before anything else, God, we're yours first. And then after that, you'll tell us how to operate with people, what we should do there with our brothers and sisters and with those who are outside the body. We give ourselves first to you. This principle of the first let me show you one more in the New Testament. And again, there's a lot. This is the last chapter, just a few verses before the very end of the book. I am, Jesus speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I told you a while ago, God could not take your leftovers. He cannot. It's impossible for him to take your leftovers or my leftovers. He must be first. Why? Because it's who he is. And he cannot deny who he is. He is always first. If God played golf, he would always shoot 18. All right? If he was a bowler, he would always bowl 300. If he was a pitcher, he would always throw a perfect game. If he, was, if he ran a restaurant, everything would be a favorite on the menu. All right? He cannot do anything other than be first. He can't be second. He can't be third. He can't be fifth. He can only be first because it's who he is. He can't be anything else. Now, whether you and I acknowledge him as first makes no difference as to whether he is first. He is first whether I acknowledge him as first or not. Whether you acknowledge him as first doesn't matter. He's still first. What matters is I don't get to experience him as first if I don't acknowledge him as first. He's still first. He's still God. He's still who he is. But there's a problem because when I align myself, this is not the problem part, this is the good part. When I align myself with him being first, I receive all that comes, all that he wants to do, all that he wants to pour out, all that he wants me to receive because I've aligned myself with him and acknowledged the fact that he's first. When I don't do that, I'm out of alignment. What happens with your car when it's out of alignment? It's a rough ride. Now, I am not, please don't hear me say, I am not preaching wealth and prosperity here. I'm not saying that you give to God first, you acknowledge God first, and then it's just smooth sailing in the rest of your life, because it's not, okay? I would be lying to you to tell you that. It is not. 
But I am telling you that there's blessing, that there is revelation, there's experience with God. There are adventures in faith you will never know until he's first. You'll just never know them. Not because God's withholding, not because he's mean, but because he must be first. He can't change who he is, but he says, I give you power to change who you are. And you can surrender and submit to me and experience me as first. And all that that means. Now, give and go. I'll illustrate this and we'll wrap it up. Give and go. I'm going to challenge you, the beginning of this year, the first Sunday of the year, to say, God, I want to acknowledge, I will acknowledge you as first. I will recognize you as first. And I will do it in giving and going. You say, oh, he's going to talk about money. I'm not talking about money. Now, God may talk to you about money. That's his business. It's not mine. I love the, the passage there we read in 2 Corinthians. They gave of themselves first. You know what I found? That when I give myself to God, money's not a problem. Other stuff's not an issue. Once I give me, everything else seems to fall in line. Why? Because whatever's first orders everything else in my life. So I give myself first. I give myself to the Lord. I give my time, the first of my time. I know you're busy people. I know you got plans. I know you got schedules. I know you got stuff going on. I would challenge you in 2020. I almost said 2019. In 2020, I would challenge you. Begin every day with an acknowledgement: God, you are first. Every day. And it doesn't. That doesn't mean you got to spend an hour saying, "Okay, I got to have my devotion." That's great if you have that and God leads you that and you have the time and you. Great, awesome. I'm not against it. I think it's very helpful. But you know what I do? Because some days are different than other days. Some days I can't immediately stop and just spend the press into the Lord the way I want to. But every day, I did it again this morning, I wake up, I look out. If the, if the sun is already coming up or if, if there's some light outside, I can usually see through the shears and the bedroom window and I can see the water and the tree out back. And immediately I just think, Lord, thank you for another day. And I want to begin this day and tell you you're first. Matter of fact, you're first, second, third, and all the way down. You're first and last, and everything in between. You're first. I just want to remind myself, because Lord, I know you know this. I'm reminding myself that's who you are, and I'm acknowledging you as first in my life. I challenge you, begin every day that way. And you know what you're going to discover? He's going to remind you of that throughout the day. Things are going to come up, and he's going to say, remember when you told me I was first? Well, Lord, I, that was then. This is now, okay? I want to I handle this now. No, no, no. I, you told me I was first. So this is what I want to do here. The other day, Lori and I were in the Walmart parking lot. I hate going to Walmart. Um, I have nothing against Walmart. It's a great, it's a great business, I guess. I mean, it, I have nothing against them. I just... It's just a lot. Of, it's just a lot. You know, it's just a lot. It weary, I just get weary going in, you know. So we're coming out, and, I, and I'm energized when I'm coming out because I'm almost to the car. I'm getting away from this thing. All right, so I'm energized. I'm ready to go. And some young man 
stops me. He's dressed nicely. And he stops me in the parking lot. And I go, oh, my word. So at first, I don't even, I don't even acknowledge that he's there. I just put my stuff in the back of the car. Maybe he'll go away. All right, I'm just putting it in. And he's standing there, and he's smiling. And, and finally, I look over at him, and I go, what do you want? And I'm just being honest. That's what I, I didn't. I didn't say, how are you? Bless you in the name of the Lord. I did not do that. I did not do that. What do you want? What can I do for you? You want something, otherwise you wouldn't be standing here. You're not going to help me unload my, my, my cart, so obviously you want something. What do you want? And he starts talking and telling, and he's a student from Mexico, and they were selling things and doing all that, and, and he, so he's trying, and I didn't want anything he was selling, and I really wanted to just tell him to go away, but in that instant, the Holy Spirit's like, give him honor and respect, because he's one of mine. Give him honor and respect. I made him. But Lord, I want to be first right now. <laughs> you said I was first. So Lord, I stopped. Now Lori, it's easier for her. I think it's easier. She, at least on the outside, it's easier. She does this. She's nice with people. She smiles. She acts like she's paying attention. I don't know whether she is or not. But she can, <laughs> fa she can fake it better than I can. I don't fake it well. All right? You, if I don't want to pay attention, you know it, all right? It's, I, it's all over my face. My body language gives it away. But she's there and all, and the Holy Spirit's just speaking, and he's talking. I'm not even really listening to what he's saying. I'm just talking to the Lord. All right, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? So I listen to him, and then I ask a few questions, and he explains some things. And he wants me to buy this book about health and different things. And, you know, I'm not really interested in the book. How much is the book? He said, well, it's $20, and we're using this to... And again, I'm not telling you you have to give money. Or and this was one where the Lord just made me stop and pay attention. And, and I felt a freedom. I felt a prompting to give him something. It's like, well, let me see. So I pull out my wallet. I don't normally have cash. I had $18. I said, I don't want your book. Here's $18. He said, well, you can have the book for $18. I'm like, whatever. You know, I just want to give because I felt like the Lord said give. And then he stopped and he said, are you Christians? And I said, yeah, we are. We're followers of Christ. And he goes, could I pray for you? I said, you're enjoying this way too much, way too much. If, if you rejoice that the Lord's chastening in my life, he's going to stop. You know that, all right? All right. First. I said, yeah, well, we could really use your prayer. I could use your prayer. <laughs> and then he was sweet. He prayed for us there. And he went on his way. And again, I was reminded of this. Jesus, I say you're first. What does it look like? We say it all the time. What does it look like when I live it, when I walk it out? And by the way, I'm not saying, this, this is not a story that says you have to give money to everybody in Walmart park, parking lot, okay? That's not, what, that's not the moral of this story. It is, Jesus, are you first in every part of my life, and will I listen to you as I walk through my day? I'm not just going to start my day and tell you you're first. Will I listen to you throughout the day? Give and then go. Now this one, I, I have been learning for decades, and I, I'm still in the process of learning, but I feel like there's some things here that God's, he's allowed me to experience and, and now I'm looking forward to experience them in deeper ways. Go to him. Go to him first. 
go to him first. This year, go to him first. You say, well, I do go to him. Do we really? Have you got a dear friend or a spouse or someone and when, I mean, who is the one that when something bad happens, when you've just got to talk to somebody, where do you go? Who do you go to? Now, again, I'm not against spouses and, and good friends, okay? God, they're gifts from God. I tell Lori everything. I mean, we, 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 I love to be able to share and have her share, and, and we share our lives that way. But you know what I've learned through the years? I can't even go to her first. You know why? I love her. She cannot redeem the situation. She doesn't have the power. Only Jesus has the power to redeem it. So here's what happens. Roy, he's mean to me, all right? He comes in one day, and he's mean. I mean, he's got a big stick right there that looks like a gun, all right? And he comes in, and he's mean to me. He says some things that hurt my feelings. And I'm upset. It's like, I don't deserve that. Who does Roy think he is? By the way, this didn't happen, all right? And, but he comes in, and he does that. And I am upset. I, I refrain. I don't give him a piece of my mind because I'm trying to be pastoral. You know, I'm trying to act like Jesus. And so I don't, I don't spout off at him, but I am perturbed. So I go home, and I share my perturbedness with Lori. Do you know what Roy did? Do you know what he said to me? Can you believe he said that? How dare? Who does he think? I mean, and I just go off. And you know what happens? I share for a few minutes, and I feel better. Because God has given us the ability to transfer things to someone else. So she listens to me, and I feel better because I got it all out, and she feels worse. Because she received it, but she doesn't have the power to redeem it. So what does she do with it now? So I go on my merry way. Maybe it happened right at bedtime, so I roll over and go to sleep. I feel better. Thanks, hon. I feel better. <laughs> and now she's like, what did Roy mean by that? And is he really hurt? Or what about maybe Linda feels the same way? And, you know, and, and all this stuff is going on, and now she's got to deal with it. Why? Because I went to her first, not to Jesus first. Now, if I go to Jesus first, and I go, Lord, did you hear what Roy said? Yeah, I heard it. It's not that big a deal. What do you mean it's not? I mean, or whatever the Lord might, I mean, most times what he says to me, usually he says, knucklehead, cut it all out. But, you know, but, you know, something like that. He talks to you differently, probably. But for me, it's like, Troy, it's not that big a deal. As a matter of fact, did you know this was going on in Roy's life? Or maybe he was struggling with this. He begins to give me a bigger perspective. Now, instead of being angry with Roy, I want to pray for Roy. It's like, he needs my prayer. He needs my, he needs my fellowship. He needs my encouragement. Because Jesus can redeem. He can transform. He can change. Lori, as much as I love her, she doesn't have the power to do that. I can't do it for her either. But I go to, I go to Jesus first, and then when I go to Lori... I'm able to say, you know what, this happened today. And at first I was a little perturbed, but I went to the Lord. And here's some things he spoke to me. And I just think it'd be great if we prayed for Roy. Maybe we pray for Roy and Linda right now. That we just take some time and stop and lift them up. That's a totally different scenario than what often happens in our lives. Because if I go to him first, he can redeem the rest. 
the principle of the first. It's all the way through Scripture. It's powerful. This year, I challenge you, I challenge me to give and to go. Give to God first, go to God first. That doesn't mean we can't go to people. It doesn't mean we don't. And by the way, what happens if somebody comes to you and they didn't follow this, all right? They went to you. They, maybe they even say, I tried to go to Jesus and I just couldn't. Then you just lead them right back to Jesus. You say, fine, I get that. Here, I'm going to grab you. I'm going to pull you in. Kick it in. We're going back to Jesus because he's the only one who can redeem. I can't fix this for you. I can't change this. And I can't even make you feel better long term. I might can make you feel better for a minute, but not long term. But Jesus can. Give and go to him first. Would you bow your heads with me? As Lori begins to play, as the team is up here, whoever's leading as they come, I want to encourage you, right where you are, to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? See, I don't know. I wanted to apply this. I asked the Lord, Lord, give me some good application for this. And the Holy Spirit seemed to say to me, keep your hands off. I can do the applying. You just bring the message, let me apply it. So right now I'm trusting him to do what I should trust him to do all along because I can't do it. He can. Right now in your heart and life, the Holy Spirit can apply it. He says, right here, I want you to give. I want you to give to me first here. I want you to go to me first here. He brings it to your mind. Then would you... There's an, this is an altar right now. This is a sacred place. Not because it's a church building. Not because of anything other than the fact that Jesus is here. His spirit is here. He's in you if you're a believer. This is a sacred place. It's a sacred moment. Respond to him in this place, in this moment. Go to him. Don't hesitate. If you're visual, picture it in your mind. Picture you're running to him. Lord, I'm coming. I'm not, I'm not walking. I'm not, I'm not tiptoeing. I'm not dragging my feet. I'm running to you. I'm going. Maybe you're not visual. Maybe you're a word person. Then just the words themselves. Lord, I'm going. I'm coming. I'm giving and going to you. you do this you may have a problem that comes up with me from time to time because I start well and sometimes I get sidetracked I start the year or I start something and say okay God you're first and then I kind of lose my way and so about the 12th of January it's like oh wait a second I'm supposed to be he's supposed to be first I'm supposed to be giving and going Maybe I make it into February or March, but it's somewhere along the way I, get, I begin to find that I get distracted, sidetracked, fall back into old patterns. 
you know that Ezekiel 14 says the three most righteous men in the Old Testament, it names them for you. Noah, Daniel, and Job. So the three most righteous men in the Old Testament. I thought, Lord, if I could be as righteous as Noah, Daniel, and Job, I could could come to you first all the time. And then the Lord's like, have you looked at their lives? Well, Noah, he got drunk and made a mess in his family. Job thought he had it all together until God showed him he didn't. I thought, but Lord Daniel, Daniel, you don't really find anything about Daniel. And he said, look again. In Daniel chapter 10, you have probably, most Bible scholars believe, the most accurate, complete, descriptive prophecy in all of the Bible. Talking about Jesus' birth and end time events. And it, I mean, it's, the picture that God gave to Daniel is incredible. Do you know what he was doing in chapter 9 before chapter 10? It says, I was confessing my sin. Even Daniel had sin. If God hasn't been first, if Jesus hasn't been first, okay, this is where grace comes in. He can be first today, right now. Make him first now. You say, but Troy, I'm not sure I can keep it going. You can't. I can already tell you, you can't. So you'll keep coming back to him again and say, Lord, I received grace from you to make you first again. And when I mess up, Lord, I repent. I acknowledge. I messed it up. I come back. Get used to doing that a lot. It's humbling. But it's so, so meaningful in your life to recognize you can't do it. Jesus said you never had to. He would do it in you and through you and for you. We just respond to him. Lord, in this room right now, for those who think I have messed it up or I've tried or I've I've started this journey, but I keep getting off track. Lord, thank you for reminding us that our righteousness is not based on our past performance or even our future performance. It's not based on our performance at all. Our righteousness is in you. Thank you, Lord. Remind us. Take it deep. Deeper into our inner person than, we, than it's ever gone before. Remind us, Lord, each morning as we wake up. Lord, today you're first. And all the things that I give and all the places I go today, you're first. I give to you first. I go to you first. Lord, throughout this year, remind us of the principle of the first. And I pray that when we get to December 31st, we'll look back and recognize that because of your work in us, we, are, we did a much better job of giving and going to you in 2020 than ever before in our life. Lord, we give ourselves. We give our heart. We give all that we are. We just give to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.